Welcome to Sparkplug, where we talk to smart people working at the intersection of business and technology. Brought to you by Snowshoe, your smarter loyalty leader. Sparkplug is happy to welcome Jamie Ramirez to the podcast. Jamie is a RegTech leader, serial entrepreneur. He's an angel investor. He has over 30 years of experience in business, banking, and information technology. So for the last 18 years, he's really specialized on the design and development of financial crime risk management, anti-money laundering, and fraud prevention software. So Jamie is the founder and CEO of Preventor that bills itself as the next generation in integrated financial crime risk management. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Very glad to be talking with you today, Jamie. We start off by giving us some background on your career history. Yes, like you mentioned, after 30 years working on the financial industry, I used to work for large institutions. Then I opened my own business back 20 years ago, and I started working as a consulting services for the bank in South Florida. Then we started working directly with the money laundering and fraud prevention solutions. And the last five years working directly with digital identity. And, and today is trying to catch up with all the new technology that is needed for remote work. Right. So with the advent of remote working and with the changes that you've seen in the industry, what are the emerging threats that you see? Well, definitely the identity theft, cybersecurity, crimes. There is a lot of opportunities now for doing business over the internet because it's what everything is needed. There is less and less face-to-face transactions, so it has to be everything remotely. And that initiates another threat of a different kind of crimes, no? cyber crimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I briefly lived in Argentina in Latin America, and I know that the tech sector is different in Latin America. And you're originally from Peru, correct? Correct. Yes, I'm from Peru. Right. So are there differences between North America and South America in terms of financial crime and how to prevent it? Well, yes, there is a difference because in Latin America, there are more controls, believe it or not, because we used to have the crime from years ago different type of crimes, starting from terrorists. No, the terrorists, narcotraffic, terrorists financed by the narcotraffic. So we need to start doing other type of controls from even before 9-11, right? So there are different typologies of how do you control the anti-money laundering of fraud prevention? Because obviously, you know, once you put a rule to cover some type of anti-money laundering, another one starts, right? So it's like a never-ended. So, Jamie, what are some of the unique challenges that you've confronted in your career? Any good stories to share with us about beating bad guys? Well, um, there are different types of challenge, no? Mm-hmm. In different scenarios, like with the digital identity, now we are facing that we need more and more the use of technology to prevent recurring customers, either to cover you as to protect your company for a risk and to ask more steps to do to the end customers, right? Because you as an end customer, you don't want that every time you want to log into an application or to an app or to any platform to ask you to bid yourself move the, your head from the left to the right to make sure it is you, take a picture of your document, take a picture of this, proof of address. It's very hated. So um, the use of technology on that is to automate those process mm-hmm. to make it simple for the end user, but at the same time, protect the company. So that's one challenge that we are facing today. Before, obviously, back 20 years ago, after the 9-11, we started working with the challenge of how do we 
we apply the technology to really know the customer? How do we apply the technology to really know the transactional behavior of a customer to make sure if it's right or wrong? Right. So I was just on a plane yesterday. And as I went through the airport, I noticed there was lots of security theater, mm -hmm. things that make people feel safe, but actually don't do much. And I know this because I have some expertise in security mm -hmm. and especially physical device security. So mm -hmm. we aren't actually doing much to protect ourselves. But we have lots of security theater. So do you think the Delta between security theater and real security is changing? I think so. I think the use of technology, a lot of new biometric methods to analyze you and to automate the processes, it will help the companies to make sure to identify the real person, to lower the levels of fraud, and also to reduce the interaction with the user. Less interaction of the user, more protection for the company, which is right now an evolution, I will say, because company wants to be protected, so they ask you for do this, that, this, that. It's not comfortable for the end user. Now, the other thing that I project that is coming that I already start is the use of the, each person has to own their identity. So to identify yourself with a company A or financial institution A, then you have to do the same thing with the B, with the C, with a shopping center, with this, with that. At the end of the day, you authenticate yourself with 20 companies. <laughs> and if you want to update your address, you have to update to everyone. Or if you change your password, or, you know, or your driving license, you have to authenticate to everyone. So the idea is that everything has to be centralized in your identity, your person. So you own your identity and you are the one that share your identity with others, not the other way. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Let's back up to the beginning. Tell us when you first became interested in security management and financial crime prevention. Actually, it was not my decision. It happens the day after 9-11. My company used to do consulting services for a South Florida bank here that it was our client for more than 20 years. The day after 9-11, the regulator sent a letter to all of the banks to start searching for the 19 people from the attacks. So this is when we start. And then we keep receiving notifications, bulletins from the regulators. You have to do this, you have to do that. And this is basically how we start working on this. <laughs> Right. So you founded Preventor in 2017. So can you tell us the story of what led to founding that company? Yeah, I've been working on this for more than 30 years and designing and implementing systems in the United States, in Latin America. And I saw the need that financial institutions from any size, especially the small companies, small credit unions, they need to have the latest technology, but not to pay the millions of dollars the large institutions pay. So I decided to design and to have a software as a service, cloud-based software, meaning that these companies will pay for the usage, not for or a big license, right? Well, a big implementation. 30, 30 years ago, that was a revolutionary concept, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody was doing that. And so over time, as the world of tech evolved and your business evolved, how have you changed to accommodate the market? Well, there's still some frictions of some companies that they don't want to change to the cloud base. They resist the change, saying that it's not secure. You don't want to expose your clientele to the cloud, that it can be accessed by anyone, but they're wrong, no? Because right now, the cloud base is even more secure than on-premise solutions. So it's still resistance, and it's been a change for, over the years. But now the, the need to work remotely, most of the channels, I think is easier 
to make a decision on that. <laughs> right. But I'll push back on that a little bit because as we know in the computing industry, every old model comes back again, right? So way back, back in the 1970s, we had mm. very powerful servers with very light clients, right? You all had to have right. Clients, right? And then over time, the power migrated down to your individual laptop. Mm -hmm. And with Chromebooks, we're going back to the old model of very powerful in-the-cloud servers. The cloud is just a bunch of servers sitting in a warehouse, right? And yeah, so, you're right. So it's the same thing as the old model. And so do you think over time, this pendulum will swing back that we will have more power again in the laptop? Or do you think the cloud is here to stay forever? No, I think that a cloud stays forever. Yeah, The concept is like you describe it, you're right. The concept is that we went back to the original. But remember that uh, to the original, that that cloud, it was on your computer. So you were still responsible for your computer room, for everything. Just to be yeah. clear, what you mean is that the company or the university would own the computer servers. They, they weren't hosted by a third party like Amazon or Microsoft. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. The company, the bank, the university, they need to have the computer room set up. And right. You need to have a computer operators 24-7. You need to have on-premise expenses. I think all those people now work for Amazon or for Microsoft, right? Exactly. Right. Azure <laughs> yeah, or, or they yeah, they switch. But again, just to ask a question about that, that does give you kind of a single point of failure. Of course, I would have to be a nation state hacker, right? I would have to have the resources of Russia or China. But if I'm able to hack AWS, I can take down everything. And so doesn't that give us a single point of failure? Yes, but it's not as simple as that. AWS or those cloud bases, they have first different layers of security. They have mirror servers. So even if you access or you hack one part of the server, it doesn't mean that you're going to shut down the entire cloud. Yeah, it looks simple, but it's not impossible. It's obviously it's hackable. That's why blockchain right now right. is the new way to secure some data, some key information, because obviously it's unhackable as of now. No? Also, speaking of blockchain, Jamie, what are the most pressing issues today in financial crime and risk management that you're dealing with at Preventor? What are your clients most concerned about right now? Well, like I mentioned, definitely the most concern is how to automate the onboarding and the way to work remotely. This is, uh, I think that that's the hot topic today. Some of the financial institutions start working on this pre-pandemic, but now the pandemic accelerates this process and this is a must for every financial institution. They need to work. I will say that that's the hot topic right now. 2022, I think, will be a year that most implementation, even last year was a very busy, but I think that this year will be busy. So increasingly, we're seeing a global world. A ready example is the sanctions on Putin. They have to touch every aspect of the financial system. Mm -hmm. So in this increasingly global world, is there any difference between geographies? I know you mentioned that in Latin America, there is better regulation in a way than in North America. But mm -hmm. are there other differences that we should be aware of? Definitely the access to the internet, that you are not limited to accept any customers from any part of the world, not limited to do transactions with any part of the world, involves other things for financial institutions. No? The, some of them are, if they want to operate in another location, they will need maybe to have the financial services license or things like that. In terms of type of cyber crime from different part of the world, definitely you need to have the right tools to authenticate people from different countries. You need to have the different layers of security to make sure that I, even you receive transactions from other jurisdictions, you are still in control. 
Okay. Well, one of the areas that we really focus on at Snowshoe is retail, retail fraud, like in-person retail, not e-commerce retail, but Mm in-person being threatened by people coming into stores and stealing things. Are there any things that you can offer to retail customers who want to harden their infrastructure or make it harder to steal from them? Any ideas there? I used to work for a distribution company and then we used to have a lot of retailers and point of sale and we used to have cameras in the retail stores to prevent people stealing the merchandise, to put alarms on some of the merchandise. And I remember one strategy that uh, one of the source managers, they put the cameras in the stores and believe it or not, we installed the cameras, but I remember the cameras didn't, they were not plugged in. It was just the camera and the TV. The companies that were going to install the DVRs and the computers and everything, they were going to do the job in like two, three days, right? So at that time, we installed the TVs and the camera. And every time that you get out of the store, you look at yourself on the TV. Well, that day or those two days, the decrease of losses was dramatically down, you know? Wow. And we didn't have nothing. It's just a TV. <laughs> right, right. Right. If people can see themselves, they think that something is happening. Security theater at its best. But exactly. that does bring to mind the new kind of retail experiences that companies like Amazon and Walmart are putting in place where they actually allow purchases to happen via camera. I walk into a store, you know, I pick up a thing. And I walk out with it. And what it does is analyzes my behavior in the store and what I picked up and then just bills me for it. And so that's using cameras at another level. Have you played at all with that kind of technology or do you think that's interesting? Mm. No, I don't have any experience on that technology, but I believe that it's based on, first of all, to identify the items. They must have the source mapping very well organized in the way that when you are walking to the aisle and then your behavior is that you grab one item, they already know which item you are having. And then at the beginning, they probably identify yourself by the face recognition and then they already have your identity on board. So by their face recognition, they know who you are, they know your credit card and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's basically everything is automated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the other day in another podcast. Actually, I was talking about the future of the metaverse. No, mm-hmm. and this is very, very awesome. Imagine yourself virtually going inside into this metaverse place and then going to Walgreens and then you grab your items. No, or you go into the department stores and now, right now, that you order, you know, I want to have these shoes. And another choose, then you receive the item, you say, no, I don't like it, so you return it. You don't have to do that. You will have to go virtually, try the choose. Yeah, this is perfect for me. So then you receive it over uh, delivery, no? <laughs> right. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> At the beginning of the conversation, Jamie, you mentioned validating a person's biometric identity. Can you mm. the basic overview of how Preventer uses AI and biometrics in fraud prevention? Yeah, we are keep working on these technologies. We obviously do the basic of the biometrics now to identify the person, that identify the document, the selfie to, or the video to do the license detection. Now we are working on adaptive authentication, which is means for recurring customers, like what we're talking about. That when you come back as a customer, then you just need to do the face recognition. We can detect your approximate age. 
ethnic, gender. So make sure that our your, what it says in your document is exactly you. If you say the document says that you born 2000 and then by now you are 22 years old, but your face looks like 50 years old or something is wrong here. No? <laughs> so things like that. We're working on, on other different type of how to identify the people, the person, the proof of address to authenticate that is really your address or not. Make sure that you are using the same device over and over. If you are using a new device or from a geographic location that it doesn't make sense that you move from one place to another in less than a period of time, you will say, look, something is wrong. You just do something here and now a few minutes after you are doing something in the other part of the world in another city, it's impossible that you are right. in two places at the same time. <laughs> you can't move from Mexico City to Paris in a half an hour. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like we've had a great discussion of different issues in the fraud and security management space, but I don't know if we've given you a good platform to tell us what Preventor is all about. So are there other aspects of the Preventor platform you want to share with us? I think that we really talk about many features that Preventor does. Uh, we are uh, an end-to-end, basically, uh, platform, a financial crime risk management platform that we do not only the identity verification, the anti-money laundering and fraud prevention for individuals, we also work with the entities as a know-your-business. So um, if you as a customer, as a financial institution, you want to do the same as you do for individuals, for your small business uh, customers, we, we can do that too. Got it. Okay. And mm-hmm. how do you position yourself in the marketplace against other players? Who do you compete against? Who do you think you can beat? Well, actually, there is a lot of players right now in the, in the landscape. Most of them, they are focusing in, in the new trend, which is the digital identity. We do more than that. We are experiencing the financial technology and fraud prevention, anti-money laundering is that we provide an end-to-end a platform that we grow with your company. So it's not only the like others that they offer you a product that you can use now, but then if you want to start using, you already using, then you want to move to the next step, then you have to find another vendor. No, So we are the one shop, one solution, one integration, one platform. Thank you. So looking out five to 10 years, what do you expect to see in new trends and tactics in financial crime? Well, honestly, years ago, I didn't expect to be that technology was in this moment, no? that we are talking about like metaverse, we are talking about virtual technology, we are working with the crypto blockchain. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of challenge right now, and it's keeping you busy just to keep track of everything that is new that is coming up. To listen what's the requirements here in, in United States, the same type of company may have a different kind of requirements in Latin America. America, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia. So it's very how this evolved is amazing. Mm-hmm. So as that future emerges, how can companies prepare? What should companies be doing now to be ready for that financial future and protecting themselves into the future? Well, keep following the technology for research and development. I'm doing that a lot as part of my task every day. But there is one dedicated person just to be in track looking, reading, you know, new technologies, looking also the competitors, what the others are doing to learning. Because like I said, it's a lot. It's a lot of new technologies. You may find something that is needed for the financial institution, but on the retail, maybe they need something else. On the manufacturing or warehousing, they may need something different. So, you know, it's very interesting. 
Well, so we have one last question for you, Jamie. Mm -hmm. And that is, what do you hope will be your legacy and what do you want to be remembered for? Well, actually, as a person, I like passion of what I'm doing. And I would like to be remembered by my family of a dedicated person that I'm trying to do the best and do it right. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, great to have you here with us today. Really appreciate your time and your thoughts on the future of financial security and how companies can prepare for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Spark Plug is a wholly owned property of Snowshoe. All content, copyright, 2021, Spark Plug Media.